Apostle Mrs. Leanne Kofi, the founder and general overseer of the Lord's Garden Ministries, a ministry which is focused on bringing back the glory of God into the lives of people who have been battered by the world. She's a healing apostle and ministers powerfully to break people free from demonic oppressions. We believe you'll be blessed as you listen to today's word. Now, today's word. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for grace in abundance. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your goodness that overshadows our lives. Thank you, my God, the Lord, the word declares that it is in you we live, we move, and we have our being. Thank you, Lord, that this morning we are found among the living. Your name be glorified. Eternal God of heaven, we gather this morning in your name. Lord, your word declares that unto you shall the gathering of the people be. Where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. So, Father, we know that, Lord, our gathering, not just by location, but by in spirit, my God, brings your presence with us. Lord, your presence is with my beloved ones, my God, in their homes, wherever they are joining in this service from, and your presence is here with us. This morning, I pray, O oh God, that, Lord, may the power of your word, the potency of your divine word that is creative, that has the ability, my God, to do all things, my God, be released into the hearts and the minds, my God, of every hearer in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit of oh God, this morning, bring to your people the strength and the comfort that they need, even in times like this. Your name forever be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, beloved, I thank God for his goodness. I thank God for his grace. But above all, I thank God for his love. That perfect love with which he has loved us. And this morning, I bring you a message titled, He Cares for You. God cares for you. You know, in times like the times in which we find ourselves this time of this coronavirus pandemic where every day you wake up and someone or the other is dead, someone you know, someone you don't know, you know, generally it's a different time. We are in a different time. And sometimes the questions on people's minds and the questions they might ask is, where is God? Where is God in the midst of all this some will say we have prayed and prayed and still this thing keeps on and on. And it is in those times that the enemy of our souls begins to put doubts and questions in our hearts and our minds, which bring fear. And the reason why we are panicking and we are fearful is that some way, somehow, the enemy finds it you know, easy because of that which we are faced with to make us think that maybe God doesn't hear us. Maybe God doesn't care. Maybe no matter how much we pray, nothing will change. Well, I bring you the word of God this morning. And uh, I know that God's word that comes out of his mouth, he himself declares, never returns to him empty. It doesn't return to him void until it has accomplished the purpose to which it's been sent. This morning, by the kind invitation of the bishop, Uso Ansan, I was on joy. Believers Chapel, amen, where we talked about 
the coronavirus and the fears and generally the things that this pandemic has brought and I I was privileged to speak a bit and I, I said that you know there's nothing new under the sun indeed there's nothing new under the sun this coronavirus pandemic is not new the name is new the symptoms are new but there have been worldwide pandemics throughout the world age and world time um, I studying and realized that more than 10 pandemics recently we had the Ebola we had um, the SARS the MERS and you know um, specifically I spoke about the Spanish flu in the year 1918 which affected 500 million people and killed 50 million people but the world still goes on the world is even more heavily populated now than then and so there's nothing new under the sun. It came, it went away, we still lived. And so I believe in my heart that God is still in control. God hasn't lost control over the earth or the affairs of the lives of men. God is still in perfect and absolute control, amen. And we say that this one will also pass. It hasn't come to stay. Nothing lasts forever. The only thing that abides forever my Bible tells me is the word of God. Amen. And so we trust God on this one also and will forever trust him. This morning I said the word I'm about to minister to you. I've titled it, he cares for you. God cares for you. Don't let anything, don't let the situations of the now, don't let even any loss of a friend, a brother, a sister, anyone make you think that God has left his care of your life. God cares about you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And I always say that the love of God is manifest even in death. And so it's not only in this life that we can say that the love of God is manifest towards us. And for those of you who have lost a dear one um, in this time, I just want to reach out in the spirit of comfort to you, the spirit of encouragement to you, that be encouraged, know that your loved one is still very much alive in the presence of the living God. God still cares about us. He's a God of the living and he's a God of the dead. Amen. And he loves you. He cares about you. God cares about us. This is what word I bring to you. This morning I'm reading from the Gospel of St. Luke chapter 13, the verse 10 to 17. And the Bible says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had the spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed down together and could no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and he said to her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said to the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, do you not each one of you on the Sabbath day lose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead them to watering? And ought not this woman, should not this woman be a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed, on this Sabbath day, and when he had said these things, 
all his adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for the glorious things that were done by him. Amen. This is an account of the heart of God as opposed to the heart of men. This woman was sick. To the outside world, she was just sick. And I always say that many would say she has arthritis. Maybe she had been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Someone would say maybe it is um, a stroke that has left her that way. Someone would say it is scoliosis. Anything, anything. Because the thing is that for every ailment, there will be a diagnosis. But the Gospel of St. Luke, written by Luke, he says that she, had a, she was infirm, you know, infirm. To be infirm is not firm, not strong. So she was weak. She wasn't strong. And when we talk about infirmity, we're not only talking about physical ailment. Sometimes you can be infirmed in different ways. You, you may not be strong financially. You know, may not be strong emotionally. There are people who are infirm, but it is emotional. So you cannot see it, but it is present and it's working against them. There are people who are also infirm financially. It's tough. It's hard, especially as we see it in these these times and these days. There are some marriages also that are infirm. They are not strong. So we can have any type of infirmity, different types of not being strong. But in this woman's case, the infirmity was in her body. And people would look on her and see her bent over, you know, walking like that, not be able to lift up. And maybe she herself, over the years, had come to live with it. Because you know, sometimes when you have an infirmity, you make do. So she had come to live with it because nothing, you know, the Bible doesn't account her going to Jesus. Because obviously at that time Jesus had already been healing the sick. So, but she didn't go to Jesus and say, Lord, I want to be healed. She was in, in the synagogue. She was also worshiping. Sometimes life can be like that. You get used to your infirmity, to the issues, the problems. You get used to it and you just live with it. Not happy, not strong, not enjoying your life, but you just... No, as this, you live with it. And this was, I believe, the woman's condition. She had learned to live with the doctor's report. That's how it was with her for 18 years, a very long time. I don't know how long your particular challenge has been, but hers was 18 years. A man who was also infirm, who laid by the pool of Bethesda, Bible says it was for 38 years. You know, long stretches of time. And still, they were in their condition. But I'm telling you about the length of their condition for you to understand that it doesn't matter how long it is, how long it has been. Jesus cares. He cares. And in the set and appointed time, he will show up. This woman didn't ask to be healed. Jesus saw her and called her to him and said, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And immediately, the Bible says, she popped up she was made straight. The Bible says that she was sick, but Luke, in his writing, Luke was a doctor, a medical doctor, but he said she had the spirit of infirmity. So he calls it a spirit. He said it's a spirit. Others might have seen it just as you know, a disease. No, that's how she is. But Luke says that there was a woman who had the spirit of infirmity so her not being strong her challenge her problem was as a result of a spiritual problem that's what he was saying the spirit of infirmity 
And so we know that there's something like that called the spirit of infirmity. But you know something? Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Remember that. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. There are things that we cannot, we do not see. We cannot understand. We cannot, you know, fathom because they are spiritual. They are not physical. And we often use our five senses, which, you know, relate to our environment and our existence. But there are certain things that the eye doesn't see, but nevertheless is present. Jesus once said that no one sees the wind blowing. You don't see the wind, but you feel the effect of it. That is how spiritual things are. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says that, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Even the things of God, the natural mind and the natural man cannot understand because they are spiritual. They are spiritual entities in this world. They are spiritual bodies in this world. They are spirits at work. And so Luke said she was bowed down. She was infirm because of the spirit of infirmity. Many issues that we face in life are spiritual. Bible says the things that are seen are temporal. They are for a season, but the things that we do not see are eternal. Many of the things we go through, many of the challenges that we go through in life are spiritual. They, they, they start in the spiritual and they manifest in the physical. Most spiritual problems, you cannot see them, but they are working. And that was the condition with the woman. People could see her sick, but it was a spirit that had affected her, attacked her. She was bent over. She was cast down. She could not be lifted up. I'm sure people would shame her, would mock her. She lived a life of shame and disgrace. Maybe she had been the talk of town, and after they had talked for maybe four years, they had quit, but when they see her passing, they'll go, she's passing. You know how it is with people. She had become a subject of ridicule. And many of us find ourselves in certain situations like that, where you become the talk of town where you become a subject of shame and ridicule and disgrace. Even now with the present COVID-19, people are shaming people. People are, you know, actually rejecting people. People are, you know, casting people aside just because. But, you know, I always tell people that nobody takes money and goes and says, I want to buy a virus. I want to buy a bacteria. I want to buy a disease. Life happens. So there's no need to shame anybody. There's no need to, you know, sideline anybody. No need to reject, speak ill of people just because of an infirmity or even a situation that they, they've come to. You realize that every day today, and even in the world, it's been forever. One day, it's one news. It will trend, as they say now, trend on social media and trend. The next day, a new one comes and it's trending and everything comes and trends and trends, and one trend leaves, another trend comes. You know, this is the heart of men, cruelty and wickedness. This woman was obviously one that the ruler of the synagogue didn't have mercy on, neither respected. That means that she was despised, rejected. Maybe no love, maybe no care, maybe you are like that. But I come to tell you this morning that Jesus cares about you. It doesn't matter the rejection, um, doesn't matter the kind of things that people will do, say about you. 
the things people will do against you, Jesus cares about you. In fact, when men say there's a casting down, the Lord rather says there's a lifting up. Hallelujah. And so you who feel cast down today, I come to proclaim unto you the mind of God, the will of God, and I speak it into your spirit that there is a lifting up of your head. For the Lord says he's the glory and the lifter up of your head. Hallelujah. The ruler of this synagogue, can you imagine? So today maybe we'll call him the pastor of the church. Maybe the bishop of the house. He was in charge and he was in control. He was angry because Jesus healed the woman on the Sabbath day. And when I looked into the scripture, I realized one thing. The woman didn't go to Jesus to ask to be healed. Jesus went and called the woman and said, Come, woman, thou art loose from thy infirmity. But the ruler said, There are six days where people ought to come and be healed. Not on the Sabbath day. Talking to the woman. But she didn't come there to be healed. You, do you see the picture? She didn't come and say, I want to be healed. Jesus, that's why I followed you into the synagogue. No. She was minding her business, living in her shame, living in her pain, sitting here somewhere. And the mercy of God found her. The grace of God found her. The love of God located her. This morning, I pray that may the mercy of God find you. May the grace of God locate you wherever you are. And in whatever situation you find yourself, the reason why men reject you, mock you, and despise you and shame you, may the mercy of God find you. The grace of God locate you. May God show himself strong on your behalf. May God be favorable unto you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus was favorable unto this one because Jesus cares. He was referring to the woman, talking to the woman. As if she had come to be healed. She just came to worship. But Jesus cares. Now, this account shows the cruelty of the heart of men. People just do not care. People rejoice at the downfall of others. Men rejoice in iniquity. Men rejoice in the downfall of many, of men. But listen, the Bible says, I rejoice not over me, oh my enemy. Because when I fall, I will rise. Today, maybe people look at you, they, they sneer at you, and they, 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 they reject you. But the love of God, beloved, will pick you up. And that love of God will position you where he, the Lord, has ordained for you. The will of God for that woman was that she be healed. And I believe in my heart, that's why Jesus went to that synagogue. Because Jesus is like that. He goes where he sees a need. Like how he had to go through Samaria just because of an adulterous woman whom, who was rejected. But Jesus actually took time off. Actually took a different route. The worst route just to meet with her. To change her life and to change her story. May Jesus change your story. May he come to you wherever you are and meet you at the point of your need and change your story. May he put a testimony in your mouth. And not only in your mouth, but may he put a testimony in the mouth of your adversaries. In the mighty name of Jesus, oh, somebody give the Lord Jesus a mighty clap offering this morning. Because he cares. He cares. He cares. 
he cares. There's no lover like Jesus. No one can love you the way Jesus loves you. He is all love. Amen. The man was angry. And Jesus also equally got upset. And so Jesus went to him and said, listen, should not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years be loose from this bondage on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day, do you not release your cows and your sheep to go and drink water at the, at the watering place? You do. You don't let even your animals hunger and thirst. And should not this human being, a daughter of Abraham, be set free to live, to fulfill her destiny, to be free of pain on the Sabbath day? Sometimes people will prefer to give to animals than to other people. May God forgive us and may God help us. But I'm coming to the word that Jesus brought a revelation that day about the source and the cause of that woman's infirmity. Jesus said, should not this woman be a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. Jesus said the reason why this man was bowed down, the source of this bondage, the source of this infirmity was because Satan had bound her. She was bound, tied up, bent over because of the works of the enemy. Jesus, on that day, revealed Satan's work. And indeed, the coming of the Christ was to, to unmask. I would say he came to unmask Satan, bring revelation to man. And not only that, to destroy the work of the enemy. Beloved, the devil is a destroyer. And that's why the word of God declares that we should not give room, don't give place to the devil. Ephesians 4, 27 says, neither give place to the devil. Don't give him. Don't give him a foothold. Jesus recognized two things that day about that one. Number one, that what the woman was going through was a work of the devil. Jesus has said, the thief cometh not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I am come that you may have life and have it more abundant. Beloved, this is a scripture you must keep in your mind, in, before your eyes. Because you see, when you know what is yours, it is then that you can fight for what is yours. When you come to understand the will of God for you, that the will of God is that you should have life and have it in abundance, you will not give in to the enemy's attacks when he comes to bring things, you know, ill to you. No, that is not your portion. He said, the thief does not come but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. A three-point agenda. But Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus calls Satan a thief. The word of God calls him a murderer, a destroyer. And way back in the book of Genesis, we see the destroyer come into the Garden of Eden and steal from Adam and Eve. He stole what belonged to them their place of dominion, their sonship, he stole it from them. He killed them spiritually. He destroyed their peace and destroyed their peaceful existence. And that's what the enemy does. Sometimes you can be sitting in your peace, in your quiet, in the place of your joy, and the enemy will just come in and bow with just one blow. He will scatter your life, scatter your home, scatter your marriage, scatter your children, scatter you, the work of your hands. But this morning, I come to declare unto you that because Jesus cares about you, ah, because Jesus loves you, he has come to give you life and life more abundantly. 
power and dominion over all the works of Satan in the mighty name of Jesus. Satan is the destroyer of homes, marriages, children, families, businesses, nations, people. And when he comes in, he comes in subtly. Sometimes you can't identify if you are spiritually dead. And that is why you must be born again. You must receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. So that when you are spiritually reborn, you become alive. And you receive that spiritual sensitivity to, to know when the enemy is at work. Beloved, Jesus came to expose the enemy. The destroyer. And if Jesus recognized this about the woman and about the working of the enemy in lives, you who is a child of God, you who are born again, who are also now spiritually alive with the spirit of God in you, you must recognize the works of the enemy and expose him. Eve, when she was, I would say, caught, said that it is the serpent who deceived me. After she had been deceived, then she came to herself and said, I was deceived. But when she was being deceived, she didn't know she was being deceived. But until you come to a point where you understand and you, you come to that spiritual awareness within your spirit, you will not see, you will not know when the enemy is working until he has destroyed what rightfully belongs to you. One prayer I prayed this night was that may this word of God bring you spiritual awareness that you look beyond the physical in every state, in everything in your life. Not become suspicious, because some also live in the spirit of suspicion, but in the spirit of discernment. The Bible says that we should not be ignorant of the devices of the devil. Don't be ignorant. Don't live your life in ignorance. For some people, every day is Friday. Life is not like that. No, 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 no. You must be spiritually aware and conscious and I don't mean go and look for a medium or something but the Spirit of God in you will give you that spiritual awareness and bring you to the place of spiritual sensitivity give the Lord a mighty clap offering you mustn't be blind to the things that the enemy is doing when your child is changing and their their character is changing stop labeling that child Kofi Baboni what is making that child suddenly behave like that? Me, I'm a fanti, so I, I, I like to tell things. What's to say? Go to check up. Check it out! Because something is happening somewhere that is bringing that destructive tendency in the life of your child, in your wife, in your husband. Check it out! In your home, in your business. That is why Jesus said that men always ought to pray and not to faint. Because it is in the place of prayer that you hear the voice of God and you begin to re receive the leading of the Spirit. Otherwise, you will live blindly, blindly, oblivious to everything around you, especially spiritual things. Don't be ignorant, Bible says, of the devices of the enemies. Because you know, Knowing your enemy and knowing his plottings and his plan is half the battle won. Because we are fighting against an unseen enemy. So until the time you come into revelation, you know, the battle is on against you and you may not even know it. 
So knowing the enemy is half the battle won. That's why the Bible says we should be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. Without wisdom, it's calling, calling for spiritual alertness. You, you, you have to know what is going on in the spiritual realm. And if you knew, really knew, you stop the physical fights. And you stop all the things that you are doing, the, the unnecessaries of life. Because there are certain things that we do are, that are totally unnecessary and uncalled for. Because that is not going to bring you the results that you need. There are many warfares that we are doing, no, fights, physical fights. That thing is not in the physical. That thing is in the spirit. It's time for believers to rise up and war and contend in the spirit. So you come to the place of being loosed from your infirmity. Say, so woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. She was bound. She was tied up. She was imprisoned. But with one word from the master, I declare one word from Jesus. She was free. Oh, somebody give the Lord a mighty clap offering this morning. Hallelujah. Listen, Adam and Eve had a covering of glory. They, they were created by God in his image, even as you and I are, and in his likeness. And Bible says in the Psalm 8, that thou hast made man a little lower than Elohim, than yourself, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Man is crowned with glory and honor. But in that day, when the serpent deceived Eve, deceived them, they were stripped of their glory. Until all that they could see was their nakedness and their shape. Sometimes it happens like that. You, you get on a certain tangent and it seems good to you. And it is demonically and satanically inspired. And you are on it. You are on it. You go on that highway until you crash. And it's only when you crash that you see your nakedness and your shame. And alas, for most people, it's then too late. But I've prayed for you. That if today you are on any course, any course in your life, it could be anything you are doing. It could be a mindset you have taken. It could be a way of life. It could be a decision that you have taken. Maybe something you are into. That will bring you to the place of shame. That will cause your life to crash. I pray that today by hearing this word, you will do a turnaround. And that's what we call repentance. Turn around and face the Lord. Come back to Jesus. Because you cannot destroy allow the enemy to destroy that which is good in your life. But many, many of us are on a road of destruction. I call it self-destructive tendencies. The road of selfishness, of greed, of anger, of hatred, malice, jealousy, envy, murder, all kinds of things. Adultery. It feels good, do it. That's a road to destruction. Bible says that any man who lacks control of his spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. If you lack self-control in anything in your life, you can't control anything. Bible says that you are like a city that is broken down and without walls. Anything can enter into that city and take it over and to destroy. They, they saw their nakedness and their shame after the enemy had deceived them and they had lost it. They were stripped of their glory and their honor. I pray that may you not be stripped of the glory that God has set upon you. 
may you not be stripped of the honor of, of, upon your life. You know, honorable people, and I'm not talking about parliamentarians alone. I mean, when I say somebody's honorable, that means a person, you know, is respectable, has a, a respectable character, lifestyle, something worthy of honor. Honorable people sometimes will just find themselves dishonored just like that by their own doing. A few days ago, I was listening to something, and, and an honorable um, chief, um, um, lawyer, judge, in a very nasty, and I say nasty, nasty thing in Kumasi, I heard on the radio, how you are supposed to be honorable and you take your own hands, your own desires, evil, wicked desires, and bring shame and dishonor upon yourself. This morning, beloved, God loves you, but you must also love yourself enough to do that which is right for your life. Are you hearing me? You need to take a firm stand in the Lord. Otherwise, Satan will strip you of your glory and expose you to shame. And then you say, God doesn't care. No, God cares about you. God cares about you. This woman was in a sorrowful state. Shame before others. I'm sure people call her all kinds of names. I'm sure if it was in our present time, they would have called her Obeyefono, that witch. But she's a woman afflicted, tormented by Satan. But Jesus cares. Jesus said to her, he called her to him and said, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. Jesus recognized her as a daughter of Abraham. She was a covenant child. God had a covenant with Abraham. And by God's covenant with Abraham, God said that through Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Through Abraham and his seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And this was a descendant of Abraham. She was a Jew. So Jesus said because of the covenant that she has with God, through Abraham, she must be loosed. Beloved, God honors and respects covenant. God honors and respects covenant relationship. And that is why he works for us. Today, because of his covenant with us, we, that's those of us who have believed in Jesus and received him as our Lord and our Savior, we have come into a covenant with the Lord through the blood of his Son. And we have been made part of the commonwealth of Israel. We have been grafted in. Amen. So we are spiritual Jews. We are now also the descendants of Abraham. And we, we have been grafted in through faith in Jesus Christ. All right, let me read something to you from. Ephesians chapter 2, the verse 12 to 13. He says that, that at that time, before you became born again, so you were without Christ. Be aliens, aliens, hmm, from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus. Oh, somebody give the Lord a clap of ring. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometime far off have been brought near, be brought nigh, that means be brought near by the blood of Jesus. So in time past, before you received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you were far off from God, not near God, far off, without Christ. You were an alien to the commonwealth of Israel, but today, when you have received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you have become part 
of the commonwealth of Israel. You who were far from God, now you've been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of that, now you have also come under the blessing of Abraham. Galatians 3.13 declares that. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the Lord, being made a curse for us. Because the Bible says, cursed is any man that hangs on the tree. Amen. He has redeemed us from the power of the curse of the law. So that the blessing of Abraham, that blessing that God blessed Abraham with, might come upon us, the Gentiles, those who were before outcasts through Jesus Christ. So the blessing that God put upon Abraham, which he said will go down to his descendants, is now upon us also. So I want to tell you this morning that you are blessed. Oh, you didn't hear me right. I said you are blessed. Hallelujah. And because you are blessed of God and you have come into sonship, beloved, every covenant promise of God is yours. Every covenant right of God for his people is yours. Amen. And this covenant that we are in, you know, through Christ, is a, is a, is a better covenant and an everlasting covenant. Better covenant than the covenant that they had in the time of Moses. Amen. Better covenant. Hebrews 13, 20 to 21 says, And now the God of peace, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. An everlasting covenant. So the covenant that you have with God through Christ is everlasting. Everlasting means everlasting. For all time, in life and in death, it's an everlasting covenant. And he says that that blessing, that covenant will make you perfect. Perfect all things that concerns your life. Amen. And this, these privileges I'm talking about only comes to those who have received Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And Jesus is the mediator, the intermediary between us and God. He, he watches over that covenant between us and God. Amen. Because it is he who has paid the price for us to be able to enter into that covenant. And that is why when we call upon his name, he said, whosoever shall call upon his name, the name of the Lord Jesus, shall be saved. And that is why we pray in the name of Jesus. But when we pray and ask in the name of Jesus, God is reminded of that covenant. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Hallelujah. That covenant that God has with you, he says he will not break. Neither will he alter the thing that has come out from his mouth. And you know, whereas the covenant that God made with Abraham was sealed by circumcision. Every male child had to be circumcised. Our covenant with God is sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody, appreciate Jesus this morning. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is the one who brings us into the place of God's favor. The angels who came to announce to the shepherds in the field the birth of Christ, they said that glory to God in the highest and on earth goodwill towards all men. Not some men, all men. That is why whoever, whosoever decides to receive Jesus can and will be saved. He said, goodwill towards all men. The goodwill of God has come upon all men. 
And so God can no longer hate you. God cannot have an ill will towards you. His will towards you is good. You know, when you go and um, maybe rent or buy a shop, not buy, but lease a shop, you, you, there's something they call you, the good will, you, you pay for that also because maybe the, 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 the business there has been flourishing. So you, you get the goodwill of that business too. So now, God's goodwill is towards us because of Christ. God looks upon you, remembers his son, remembers his sacrifice, and will just have to be good to you. God's will towards all men is good. That's why I'm telling you that God cares about you. Jesus cares about you. God cares about you. Jesus cares about everything concerning your life. He, he's interested in your well-being. Jesus is interested in your, in fact, his coming was for your well-being. Jesus coming to die for us was because he cared. Bible said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son was love, care. And Jesus also says that no man takes my life, I lay it down. Because if God so loved the world and was giving his only begotten son, and Jesus said, no, Father, this one, I'm not going, I'm not going nowhere. These people, no. He would have forced them, but Jesus said that. I lay my life down. I lay it down. Why did he lay his life down? And because nobody could have forced him. He lay his life down because he loves you. God cares about you. God wants it to be well with you. He said, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. God wants to do good to you. Healing all, not some who are oppressed of the devil. Because God was with him. Jesus was in the world doing good. God's will was that all men should do well. All men should be healed. All men should prosper. It, sh it should be well with all men. And this is the will of God for you, that it should be well with you. And his will towards you is good, that it should be well with you. Because he cares about you. Don't let anything deceive you. Don't let your present condition deceive you. Tell you that God doesn't care. God cares about you. I remember many years ago, I was very sick. And I was in London at that time, and my nephew came to visit me. And when he came, I was so sick. He started crying. He said, oh, Auntie Nana, those of you who know me, I'm called Auntie Nana, but please don't call me Auntie Nana on the screen. Call me Leon. So, oh, Auntie Nana, how can God do this? How, how you are serving God? I said, shut up. I said, keep quiet. Don't even dare open your mouth and accuse my God. I said, listen, God loves me. What is happening in me or to me right now does not negate the love of God for my life. Don't, don't, don't even go there. God loves me. And I trust him completely with this life. If he wants me to live, praise him. If he wants to take me home, praise him. He loves me no matter what God loves me. Listen, I've learned to hold on to my faith in the love of God for my life. And I believe that is one of the things that sustained my life. Because I, I know he loves me. And I trust his love for my life. Good or bad. Joy or pain. Sorrow or laughter. Need, you know, or want. Poverty or whatever it is. I have learned to trust in the love of God. Because God's love is pure. It's undefiled. It's everlasting. It is stronger than anything you can imagine. 
God loves you. Beloved, don't let anything push you in any direction away from God. Because that's the whole purpose of the enemy. When he comes in with all his troubles and wahala, it's just to make you think that God doesn't love you anymore. God doesn't care about you. God has forgotten you. Tell him, Satan, shut your beak. Shut your mouth. I said to that young boy, I said, listen, this is between God and I. Stay out of it. It's between myself and God. And for me, I trust him. I trust him completely. With everything, every fiber of my being, I trust him. I know he is good. In bad times, he's still being good. And if you will, you'll be spiritually discerning this morning, beloved, you will see that even through the hard times and the bad times, you will see the footprints of God. You will see the hand of God. You will see the traces of God's power and his love even through your hard times. You went through it, but he was there with you. And he brought you out of it. Some, he didn't bring you out of it. He, he walked with you through it. Hey! He walked with you through it. And that's the amazing part. When you are going through, and he's with you, and you know you're not alone. He is with you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And you know he's with you. Trust in the love of God. Trust in him. He loves you no matter what, no matter even how you are. Simon Peter, Jesus looked at me and said, listen, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you, that he will sift you like wheat. You know how we sift flour? When you are going to the women, you know where you are going cooking with flour and you put it in a sieve and you go like this. You are shaking, huh? So are the, the, the weevils or whatever, if there's any plots or anything, come up. He said, Satan has sought to sift you like that. Shake you down, as the Americans would say. Sometimes the enemy just wants to come in and shake you down. But listen, we are not shaken. <laughs> we are not moved. <laughs> Bible said, be unmovable. Unshakable. Hallelujah. He said, Satan sought to sift you like wheat. But he said, but I've prayed for you. God is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. He's seated at the right hand of God, making intercession on your behalf. Jesus is praying for you. I have a sister friend called Lahona Anderson. And in those days when I was going through very hard times, she had a song she used to sing for me. She would sit down by me, put my head on her shoulder and sing. And a song was, someone is praying for you. Someone is praying for you. Someone is praying for you. You know, and that song would get me. I would just cry, but it gave me such strength to know that Jesus is praying for me. This is what I'm telling you there, that Jesus is praying for you. You may be going through a hard time, but Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. And his prayer will not go unanswered because it is he and him alone that has paid the price for you to have access to God's favor. Jesus is praying for you. That's why I'm telling you, Jesus loves you. And he's praying for you. He says, Simon, I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. This morning is my prayer that may our faith not fail in the midst of this pandemic. May our faith not fail 
May believers not give up and go back to Egypt. May your faith not fail. May you not get weary in these times. Don't let your faith fail. He said, and when you are converted, you will strengthen your brethren. Jesus knew the future. Because he's the one who knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. And Peter did. But Peter said, ah, Lord, me deny you. I will never deny you. I will follow you to prison, even to death. The words of men. Don't rest your heart on the words of men, oh, please. I beg you. Never rest your heart, your head, on the words of any human being. Bible says that woe to him who puts his trust, his confidence in the arm of flesh. That's man, because the arm of flesh will surely fail. He said that I will never, even to death, I'll follow you. And he said, listen, Peter, let me tell you. Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before you have denied me three times that you, you, you know me, you don't know me. And truly, it came to pass that Peter denied Jesus. Said so as they led Jesus to the priest, Peter was following, like he said he would. And then when they took him inside, Peter was sitting outside by the far side. And said, a little girl came and said, hey, this man was also with him. He said, huh, me, hey. <laughs> I don't know him. And after a while, another person said, Ah, you were also with, with, with him. Then he said, Hey, me. Ilele. Ilele. Hey, Tofiakwa. That guy? Where do I know you from? Hey, Peter. The third time. Someone also came and said, Ah. Of a truth, this man, this man is also with him. This man, he's also a Galilean. And Peter said, Listen, I don't know what you're talking about. Me, Jesus, no, no. And someone once told me a joke. Let me give this one to you before I go off. Said that some believers were in the church, they were worshiping, and they were worshiping and then a madman came with a cutlass and then the, the, the pastor was preaching of faith so he said faith GDA. faith is the substance of things over GDA by faith you prevail faith and faith and faith he was and the people were saying hallelujah glory i receive it amen oh they were on and on and the madman entered with a cutlass went on the ground ship ship sharpened the cutlass and said who is talking about faith here who said they have faith here Quiet. People started running from the door. Everybody ran. He went straight to the pastor. We not say GDA no. Also, oh GDA. GDA the other day. Faith. What do you do with faith? What, 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 what do you want to faith? So you see, Paul and them, Paul and them. No muka GDA who asked me so you can keep it. Now you say yeah yeah GDA we are. So it was Paul and his people who used to talk about faith, and we are also you know just talking about it lightly. In this place this morning. Gidi. Gidi de de de. Paul and them, Paul and them. No, I'm going to do one so you can be. He denied the pastor talking about it at the face of the cutlass. Listen, may your faith not fail. In the face of the cutlass, may your faith not fail. And I'm speaking to every one of us. We are in this time of this pandemic. 
coronavirus is affecting people. People are getting well. Some are also dying. But I want to tell you something. Because, you know, some may die. But that's not the end of it. In the face of death, don't lose your faith. Hold on to your faith to the end. In sickness, hold on to your faith. Never say, oh God, why have you let, how have you let this thing come upon me? And I pray. No. Hold on to your faith. Because he is faithful. He who has called you is faithful. Peter denied Jesus three times. And then as soon as he denied him the last one, the cock went, and then he turned and he saw Jesus. Jesus looked at him and Peter just bowed down his head in shame and he ran out and wept bitterly. You know, sometimes certain issues can come and if you are not careful, you deny your God. But remember that he cares. He cares. After that, Jesus did not reject Peter. He did not reject Peter. He still held Peter close. Listen, God loves you. Jesus loves you. And because of that, he's taken Satan on, conquered him for you to be restored to glory. And so, beloved, as I bring my message to a close this morning, it's time for you to look beyond the physical happenings around you and understand the spiritual part of things that are happening and stand steadfast in prayer and in faith. It's time to look beyond challenges and look into the face of God and see the heart of God for you. It's time for you to hold on fast to the love of God for your life. And it's only by your faith in God's love for your life that you'll be able to overcome the stresses, the challenges, the things that are now and are here in my spirit are are to come because you know there's more to come I'm not talking about just the coronavirus there's, there's more to come for the world more to come this is the end times we're in the end times and it's going like that there's more to come but may your faith stand may you hold on to faith and trust in the Lord Jesus especially your faith in his love for you May you hold on to his word and rise above all the power of the enemy. Because indeed he has given you power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. He says that nothing shall by any means hurt you. Giving you spiritual and mighty weapons that comes through God through the pulling down of strongholds. Listen, the greatest thing that we possess is the love of God. It will keep you to strengthen you. It will help you. The love of God supersedes the love of man. The love of God is more than anything that you could ask for because it's his love that will bring his mercy, his favor, his grace, and indeed his compassion, everything to your life. So this morning, beloved, embrace the love of God. Embrace the love and care of God, knowing that he loves you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's word. Connect with us on our website, www.tlgm.org. Get interactive with Apostle on all social media platforms at Apostle Leanne Coffey.